0: Welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, we are at episode three of our election podcast mini-series. Andrew and I were back on campus where we were joined by Maricopa County recorder, Adrian Fontes, to talk about some of the technological challenges in managing election day. And here in Arizona, we have a lot of early voting, so we have more like election month. And we also talked about the security of elections and cybersecurity. And so, of course, we were joined by our cybersecurity research buddy, Adam Dupont pay we had a great conversation and i found it to be really really interesting understanding just how national security and county level election security are intertwined and adrian had a lot to say about that Before we get going, as always, thank you so much for being part of the Future Out Loud podcast community. We would love for you to help us expand the community by telling your friends and colleagues about the Future Out Loud podcast. And you can tell them, of course, that they can find Future Out Loud wherever podcasts are located. And wherever those places are, you can subscribe to Future Out Loud so that new episodes will just poof, magically appear in your podcast feed. You won't have to think twice about it. If you are interested in our old episodes, you can find all of those, if they're not already in your podcast feed, you can find them at our website, futureoutloud.org. So now, without further ado on to part three of our elections mini-series with Maricopa County Recorder Adrian Fontes and cybersecurity researcher Adam DuPay. Hi Andrew. Hi Heather. Hi Adam. Hi Heather. Welcome back.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here.
0: And hello Adrian Fontez.
1: Good morning, how are you?
0: Good morning, I'm great. Good. And you know, we should be certainly um, uh, cognizant that people might be listening to this at the night but it's the morning somewhere.
2: It's the morning somewhere. It's a big world.
0: It is a big world, <laughs> right? So we have come together today to talk about elections and particularly the security around elections and the technologies that allow us to do elections. And I couldn't think of anybody better to talk about this than you, Adrian, because this is what you do—you make elections go.
2: Yes, I make elections go uh, here in Maricopa County. It's. What a lot of people, even who live here, don't know—it's one of the biggest voting jurisdictions in the United States. We've got two and a half million voters uh, registered. Uh, we've got five congressional districts completely inside of Maricopa County, and uh, you know we run a really, really, really big election uh, four times a year. As a matter of fact, whether it's municipal ones, school districts, small stuff, up to the presidential elections that uh, have a big impact, uh, really across across the nation.
0: Well, across the world. Yeah, you back. Yeah. yeah. So, for people who um and I'm delighted that we have people listening to this podcast from every continent, uh which is a very exciting and a little there's some trepidation there. Um what should people know? So you talked about we've got five congressional districts. Like, how big is Maricopa County compared to other counties around the United States in size and in population?
2: So Maricopa County ranks as about the fourth largest county in the United States, but it is also the fastest growing county in the United States of America. So you think of a place like L.A. County. L.A. Uh County's got about 10 million people. About half of the number of those folks are registered voters. Maricopa County's got about 4.6, 4.7 million people, 2.5 million registered voters. You look at similarly situated counties like uh, Harris County, uh, which is the greater Houston area mm-hmm. in Texas, uh, also about a, about the size of Maricopa County here in the greater Phoenix area um, here in the middle of Arizona. And then some of the other really big ones are, uh, well, Cook County, the okay. Chicagoland, Chicago, Illinois. The difference in the election administration side of it is where LA and uh, Harris County, they run their elections a little more on the blueprint that we do. Cook County is different in that the city of Chicago runs its own elections from the federal, state and local level, and then suburban Cook County runs its own. So they have two separate departments oh, there. Okay. Here in, in Arizona in, in, in Maricopa County, Phoenix has its own election department, but they don't do their own state or federal elections, they only do their own city elections once in a while. Oh, interesting. So okay. this is, and so you've got a couple of counties that are up in the you know 5 million, 2 million, 3 million range like we are and then it drops off significantly. Your okay. next biggest counties are going to be, uh, insofar as registered voters go, 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7, then it drops more significantly down. Um, Atlanta, for example, I think there's four or five counties in the greater Atlanta area Uh, Denver, Colorado's got Denver County, Jefferson County, Adams County, and Arapahoe County in Mm -hmm. the greater metropolitan area. So here in the metro Phoenix area, it's one big county. Okay. Uh, So we do all of it.
0: And that is, and I I know there's been a critique about elections in the United States that the administration of elections is at this small level, at the county level, and that invites a lot of, um, of, I don't know if trouble is the right word, but because ballots look different, the technologies used in administering elections are different, and, um, you know, what do you think about that, rather than having a national election system?
2: Well, I mean, it's really part of the American tradition. If you go back to the way the United States of America was created as a nation, you Mm -hmm. know, we started with 13 very independent colonies who really didn't want to have a heck of a lot to do with each other. Mm -hmm. And you had a lot of local governments running things at that time uh, during a very agrarian period in human history. And that independent local control has never really left. So where a lot of other countries will come into democracy later in time after a big national revolution, they'll have national governments running these big uh, elections at that level. So, we really get our tradition from our history Mm -hmm. and the way we developed as a nation, Uh, rather than making a conscious choice, this is how we should do it because of these reasons, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to deal with all of that. Uh, Good, bad, or indifferent is really a judgment call for folks who want to sit down and do all the analysis. Uh, I just want to get the Practical mm, done and get count it up the ballots right? and yes. get the job done, right? Yeah, yeah. so
0: in doing that, yeah, We'll leave that to the academic.
2: Exactly, <laughs> right. we'll leave that to the
0: ivory tower, yeah, to just think about it and talk about it without any real action, right? Uh, no, clearly, we, so would so <laughs> we would never do that at ASU. We would never just yeah. say things without acting on them at ASU. Um, okay, so in the administration of elections, you certainly, you make choices about how you're going to maintain the integrity of our voting processes. So how do you make those choices? And of course, people are concerned about the security of elections. People want to know that their vote got counted. And people want to also know that Vladimir Putin was not voting in our Maricopa County elections.
2: Well, I, I can assure you that the Vladimir Putin to, wi- to whom you refer mm-hmm. wasn't voting in Maricopa County. I think he was, <laughs> he was doing other things in other parts of the United States, perhaps, but not in our county. Um, but how do you know? Well, because we, we know who's on our voter rolls. We have a, very, uh, a, a pretty sophisticated system of integrated databases that um, have... Uh, over time developed into something that uh, will probably end up changing again in the future and getting improved again in the future. It's not a static business. We're no longer using uh, paper voter rolls at uh, any of our polling places. Uh, We can update a lot of the information on our voters pretty instantaneously. Uh, We have contact with uh, the Department of Homeland Security, with the vital records folks at uh, the state level, with a lot of other state agencies that have data so that we can keep those voter rolls as uh, updated as possible. Arizona mm-hmm. just became an ERIC state which means we anonymize mm-hmm. individual data that goes into this essentially a big bucket of data of mm-hmm. voters and then we get back lists of folks who have either moved, who have a new address. We, we work closely with the United States uh, Postal Service on address changes and stuff and then we can actually identify eligible but unregistered voters. Okay. And in Arizona there's a proof of citizenship requirement for voting as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got the safe database by the Department of Homeland Security that helps us work on those things. So by utilizing all of the resources that we have access to um, and being smart about how we integrate those, I think we can run, we insofar as our voter registration roles are concerned, we're pretty secure. Okay. Um, in so far as the actual vote, uh, which we look at um, the ballot itself, Uh, is a paper ballot. Maricopa County never went to vote machines where you have an electronically recorded vote. Um, We always kept the idea that the piece of paper is a physical manifestation of the voters intent. Yeah. Right, that's the way I talk about it and and, and that seems like a really lofty thing but it's it's really not because you can go back and count those by hand. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you absolutely have to, which is by the way very inefficient and very inaccurate right hand counts are incredibly inaccurate Um, So running them through the old optical scanners that we have that we're looking soon to replace with newer technology uh, is really much more accurate so um, some of the other things that we do to make sure that we maintain a lot of the uh, integrity in our elections is we've increased sort of the, the the hardness of the shell around our um, our databases we don't share data even with the state out of our original databases we've got several layers of you know here's what we're using here are our backups and uh, we also make sure that when we're moving data from point A to point B we use air gaps all the time and independent you know literally USB sticks and sneaker net mm-hmm. right and because that's about as secure as you can get when you're transmitting data from for example a tabulating machine into the overall master tabulator that pulls the data from all of those individual machines. So from the big to the small and everywhere in between, we're, uh, we're paying close attention to the security of our election
3: systems. So how do you test it? I know that sounds like there's a lot of due diligence that goes into security, um, but how do you test it um, to find those hidden
2: vulnerabilities that, that might be there? Well, w- w- we use all of, I think what would be called uh, Standard, I guess standard practices, best practices. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we will occasionally have our uh, a, a white hat team come in and mm-hmm. probe for vulnerabilities. Uh, we'll do internal and external pen testing. We ask uh, trusted agencies to, to work with us all the time. Uh, and, and when we're looking at either adjusting or building or, 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 or at any point working with new systems, the county government itself has a separate Information technology and information security group mm-hmm. than the one we have internally. So we're always bouncing back and forth with them. Um, we've got some contractors that are used by, I'll just say, uh, Alphabet Soup groups who are based out of like the Arlington, Virginia area, things <laughs> of this nature. For example. So for yeah. example. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> we, yeah so, so we do. We operate at a really, really high level of security. At least we like to. Uh, We like to keep trying to operate as as a high level as possible because uh, 2016 was a terrible experience for our country. Mm -hmm. And the foundation of the confidence that Americans have in our election system was shaken. And that's not good. So we're working diligently and carefully and slowly and methodically to make sure that we rebuild that. Uh, one election at a time. Yeah,
3: and and as you do that, one of the things that really fascinates me, I and mean, you you mentioned this this devolution of of responsibility here. Mm. But how much do you work with your counterparts across the country
2: to to identify new and different ways of doing things? Oh, we do that all the time. Not right. only across the country, but across the state. So, for example, in Arizona, we only have fifteen counties. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas has two hundred and fifteen counties. Uh, so each state is different. There's 3,096 counties and parishes in the United States, yep. uh, and we we have all kinds of different ways to share information. Whether it's through the National Association of County Officials, uh, whether it's through like MSI SAC or ISISAC, some of these security uh, information exchange centers. Um, you know, there's 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 all these typical things that you'd have in a specific. Uh, profession or interest group, right? You've got professional associations, professional certifications. For example, there's a CERA certification that I'm almost done with. Uh, It takes several years, but I finished it pretty quickly because I wanted to get learned up on this. It's Mm -hmm. the uh, CERA certification, C-E-R-A, out of the Election Center, which is based in Auburn University. And, um, you know, that training is pretty thorough, it's pretty complete. Uh, I think it's the best one in the country that exists. I think it's the only one that exists. Uh, There are some other things that are popping up here and there, but, so the local network, the national network, um, and when I say local, I mean within Arizona, uh, we meet regionally with some of our folks a lot. Um, There are also um, non-governmental organizations like the Bipartisan Policy Center, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the Brennan Center, uh, and some of these other groups who who do things. I'll be on a panel next week. Talking with those folks in Washington D.C., so that is an ongoing conversation. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, Adam, you know, your hat is the cybersecurity hat. So, you know, we talked about Alphabet Soup and certifications and the different organizations. You know, what do you think? Like, what are your impressions? And as a voter in Maricopa County, like, does it? You know,
1: are you
3: worried, do, do, or do <laughs> you feel,
0: or do you feel like, as a voter, your vote is secure? Ooh
1: good questions. I think actually what I'm actually really interested in, because we've been talking about security and integrity, but what are the other constraints that you have to work in? Because from the outside and and studying this very little, I haven't done any election security myself, but listening to people who have, it's one of the most complex spaces, I think, when we think about security and cybersecurity. So can you talk a little bit about what are the other things that you're thinking about? Because obviously the integrity of the vote is incredibly important, but you still have other demands and other of things that you have to accomplish. Well, let's
2: let, let's isolate down just to election day, for example. Okay. Now, that's a small portion of our voters, mm-hmm. because as you know, Maricopa County has a huge number of early voters. Uh, you know, 72% of the actual uh, registered voters are signed up, but that accounts for something like 85% mm-hmm. of our turnout. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But we still have election day, we still have uh, precinct-based polling places. So imagine the security concerns uh, of uh, uh, you know the wedding for a I don't know a, a, a Thai princess that comes to mind because of mm-hmm. recent uh, events in f- uh, wedding reception in 500 different locations mm-hmm. all at the same time all on the same day you don't know how many of the invited guests are going to show up but you have to be prepared to serve every single one of mm-hmm. them and their meal has to be perfect mm-hmm. and you don't have direct control over any of those locations because you've got to be back Uh, at the the shop, making sure that once everything is done, it all gets back and it all gets back in perfect shape. So, you know, this is really a logistician's nightmare. And it, it, it comes down to, you know, the security question has so much more to do with the stuff than specifically the information. Locking down IT systems is still complex and it's still hard but it's in a really narrow space. When you're talking about transporting equipment out and back and making sure seals aren't broken, making sure that it's all working, making sure that your 4,000 temporary employees uh, are following the rules and doing what they need to do, making sure, I mean literally making sure that the nice lady at the church shows up with the key on time to open up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that you're you're ready to go at at six o'clock in the morning. There are so many different concerns along the way and every single one of them has something to do with security. And security in so far as, are we making sure that people understand that we're doing the best possible job, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you show up to vote and the place isn't open, your confidence in the entire system is gonna drop, right? So, uh, and that's not, that's not, that's a perfectly reasonable place for a voter to stand. So, the the, the the question is kind of like it, It's not so much What do you worry about It's what don't you worry about Right There are literally thousands and thousands of moving parts
0: Alright, so what all don't you worry about
2: <laughs> um, I don't worry about the criticism Okay Yeah, that's all water off a duck's back I mean, even my predecessor's like It never goes perfect mm-hmm. You know, she's been on the record several times Over the last six months saying that Um, And and, and I understand that. And the folks that do this work Mm -hmm. across the nation, even around the world, they know that. Mm -hmm. It never goes perfect. But the expectation is that it will for every single voter. So the reality and the expectation are disconnected. And so the criticism has to be taken seriously enough insofar as what you can handle, Mm -hmm. but insofar as the things that there's no way you could have predicted it and you just gotta do the best you can dealing with it. the criticism has to be put in its proper place. So I don't worry too much about the criticism.
0: Okay. All right. Is that the only thing you don't worry about?
2: Um, I don't worry about, like, what my kids are doing on Election Day. (laughs) Because my wife's got that taken care of. All right. Uh, Delegation. She's a sport. uh, And, uh, you know... I, I don't worry about a, a lot about the fact that too much is going to fall through the cracks. We've got an amazing team, and, mm-hmm. and the folks here have been doing this for a very, very long time, way before I showed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I didn't have the temerity to just fire everybody and bring in a new team, because that would have been insane mm-hmm. and irresponsible. Um, so we took the, the best of the folks that we had. We gave them some better resources and some more people, and uh, we said, Go on and make the improvements that you've been wanting to make, and let's see if we can make this whole thing work better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that was kind of, so I I don't I don't worry that we're I I don't worry that we're not on the right track. Okay, right, we're moving
3: in the right direction, and that makes me feel good. So uh, of course, one part of this, and you mentioned that the criticism is that that fear of public perceptions undermining the the validity of the system. So how much does that that weigh in your mind? Not necessarily how good the system is, but how if people think that it's flawed, it's gonna affect the
2: democratic process. That worries me. Right, that worries me because it it is the epitome, it is the height of irresponsibility for someone to fear monger about a system that works in order to gain political right. edges. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, to me, is just flat wrong. Right. And it's childish. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are people that do that and try to do it at my expense uh, politically, to me personally. Mm-hmm. But I think they're ignoring the fact that it does have this significantly negative impact on society in general, because those bad stories are going to drive away your marginally motivated voters. right? Mm-hmm. They're going to drive away these people from a system that's generally really pretty good, uh, into believing that there's they have less faith in the system, less mm-hmm. faith in their nation, less faith in yep. their own neighbors that way, and, and that's and just bad. And of
3: course, I, I this. This is what really intrigues me in terms of the the system. So if you were outside the US or even inside the US and you wanted to to create chaos and you wanted to hack the system, social hacking seems to be far more useful and and an easier way to do it than than
2: sort of cyber hacking. You know, you hit the nail on the head. I've said it several times. In 2016, the election systems were not hacked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The electorate themselves were hacked. Mm -hmm. We were made to believe that our systems were uh, broken and that there was widespread voter fraud and all this other stuff, which was totally not true. Right. And um, it's it's hard to fight against that. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to fight against
3: so, that. So, so do you actually see fighting against that as something that comes under your remit, or is that a, a broader issue that
2: someone somewhere should be dealing with? I think we should all be fighting against it. Right. I think that falls to every citizen every beneficiary of this society whether you're a citizen or not whether you know it doesn't matter yep. if we don't have faith in the systems that hold us together as a society if we allow that cynicism uh, to play games with our own ignorance because we can't know everything about right. everything Right. but if we let that create the kind of doubt that is that, that, that we can almost recognize as unreasonable but but it's tasty, you know. It's like, yep, it's like that, a Yeah, that's cart. right. It's almost yeah. impossible to resist. Right. Yes. Yeah. It's like looking at an accident when you're on the freeway right. driving by. It's like everybody wants to do it. Mm. We all know that it's not a good thing to do. So looking at the negative about these really critical systems, and absorbing it and repeating it, that's just bad. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible habit. But but you know we like our soap operas in America. We mm. like our we like our pugilism, right? The fights mm-hmm. on cable TV and. And and, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Well... I like conflict, too. There might be some things wrong. Well, I don't know. <laughs> look, look this, this old Marine's never going to run away from a fight, but uh, in the right place and at the right time.
0: That's fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. So, you know, last year, those of us who follow, even peripherally, the sort of, um, the, the hacking world and the both the white hat and black hat hacking world will recall that at defcon some like young kid very very quickly broke into the voting machines that are most widely in use now these are not in use in Maricopa County, nor do we have hanging chads. So I should say that in Maricopa County, we have avoided two of the greatest pitfalls in that, you know, process of recording one's individual vote, which is great. But are there, how should we think about that exercise at DEF CON? How should we think about that, you know, poking that big hole in the machines that so many Americans use to cast their vote? Is it valuable that this kid did it? Certainly it was a show. It was performance art in many ways. Is it valuable for us to say, oh, okay, well, there is a real problem here there's real risk here or is it feeding into the jerry springerization of america
3: wow
2: is that a new adverb i think it is,
3: it now it is. <laughs> uh so i took yeah, no, I my like, age. It just
2: uh, so i took office in january of 2017 and by the time we hit the end of july early august i included uh, I took 6 of the folks from my office to Las Vegas to Defcon 2017.
0: I hope you did not use county cell phones.
2: We no we <laughs> did not. Thank and you. in <laughs> fact we were doing T9 uh because it was flip phones that we yeah no it was uh, we we used all of the security measures. We paid our registration fees in cash like everybody else does because we didn't want our credit cards there. Not Bitcoin. But I will tell you no. <laughs> 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 but I will I will say this. Um we learned more about our own systems in that 36, 48 hour exercise mm-hmm. by watching people look at our systems from that hackers perspective. Hmm. Okay. White or black. Mm-hmm. right? Because the, the hackers really, their, their deal is, can I break it? Mm-hmm. right? And how can I break it? How right. can I make it do things that it's not supposed to do? It's yeah. a very interesting, creative, uh, imaginative mindset. And the reason that I wanted to take our folks over there was because mm-hmm. I wanted them to see our own system that they had been working with for years and years yeah, yeah, yeah. through somebody else's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because I had really started learning about it from them and they had great ownership in it because guess what? They created it. Yeah. They wrote the code. They were the ones that were running the security protocols and all this other kinds of stuff. And I thought, let's just go see what they think. And we it was an eye opener. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very healthy eye opener, mm-hmm. and so what do I think about DefCon and hackers and 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 election stuff at DefCon? I hope it never stops. Okay. I hope election officials continue to show up and mass, because it's only through that dialogue uh, with people who might have the imagination to be able to bust into our systems that we're going to figure out the best ways to protect and defend these systems. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, the funny thing was. When we were there, we were wearing, like, hoodies and baseball caps, like, trying to pretend <laughs> like we were going to blend in with these guys. Yeah, but and did then all y- of the you sudden,
0: probably showered, we'll so be, that gave a funny th- you away. <laughs> here's right? A, here's Adam, a funny is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> very easy to tell. So
2: here's a funny thing. We're sitting in these lecture halls uh, where they're talking about election stuff, and we look across, and I'm like, I think I know that guy from the conference that I was just at in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And then I look over here, I'm like, that guy works with DHS. And then I look <laughs> over here and I'm well, like- Hold in the baseball <laughs> caps. So yeah, we, we might as well have been at an election administration conference ourselves, right? right? Okay. And so it was really a, uh, uh, it was probably one of the best things that we did to get our folks into the mindset of really hardening that shell mm-hmm. okay. uh, and doing it in a way that we would not have been prepared for had we not gone yeah, so I think it's a very, very healthy exercise.
0: Okay, great. Yeah. So Adam, you know, yeah. you go. You're a nerd.
2: I am. Yes. Um,
0: DEFCONist. Um,
2: DEFCONista. DEFCONista. Yeah, I don't know what the proper term is. But yes. uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, whatever.
0: Work. Anyway, yes. so you know, when you hear this, what do you think? Is this like reassuring to you as somebody yeah, who's this in this is, case? Yeah. This is. I
1: mean, this is what security people, the the thing that I'll add is the hacker mindset is to first kind of understand how it works and that like drives everything that we do in -hmm. order to make it do something that it's not supposed to do. And I think the other way I always look at these, this is in terms of offense and defense, right? With sports or any type of thing. If you don't know how to play offense, you're not going to be able to play defense very well because you'll just get out strategized and you won't even realize your own weaknesses. And so and this is the other classic thing is the people who build the systems, it's very hard to find flaws in something you build, right? Yeah. So this is why it's so important. And one of the things that I really appreciate about what Adrian was saying is about getting external eyes, external pen testers on your systems is such a strong and healthy thing because you're getting that outside perspective, bringing the hackers in, letting them attack your systems. And so that you can fix anything that they find. No system is perfect. and. And this, this also gives a lot of confidence in the fact, it's almost counterintuitive. We think that like, computers are amazing, I'm a computer scientist, I love computers, I love hacking, um, and when I hear paper ballots, this is <laughs> the gold standard, I mean, this is the thing. This is how you make secure elections. Mm-hmm. You involve computers as little as possible. You involve them when they make sense, the voter rolls all those things make it easier for people to vote which is a huge part of that process and so those type of things are really good and this is what we've seen over and over whether it's at DEFCON or Mm -hmm. uh, my lab at UCSB I wasn't involved but Giovanni Vigna and the professors there and grad students were um, involved by the Secretary of State of California to do a red team against one of the electronic mm-hmm. voting systems, mm-hmm. and they were able to completely own it with just a USB drive mm. and wow. change votes based on what they pressed. And so having that having that paper record of mm-hmm. the, the voter's intent is huge, and that's I think where we can get the the biggest um, value here. I think that the difficulty then comes back to the what we talked about originally is. Maricopa County sounds awesome, but what about the other three thousand eight hundred and ninety-nine counties right. in America, yeah. right? So that's I think the it's a it's a weird paradox. I've heard it it's a strength in terms of if you're trying to attack mm-hmm. the voting systems, instead of hacking into one system and being able to own that, you have to hack into all these disparate systems which have different protocols, different mechanisms. Right. So, you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you do right. have some resilience that yeah. way, okay. but on the flip side if you were to just target some really borderline counties and just get in there to be able to flip votes into a way you want, you may be able to influence the overall election just by targeting, in some sense, the soft targets. And and in that sense, so sure. it's it's a really difficult. This is why I, I it's this is one of the most difficult problems I think in in terms of se- security and cybersecurity.
2: You know, and I think one of the and you hit on something very important. Uh, before that last uh, uh, point, was the way that the gold standard is something that's not a computer, yeah. right? Yes. It's a paper ballot. So this is, to me, one of those great examples of a place where technology mm-hmm. uh, from like the 14th century, yeah. or way before, way that, before, way before. Way that, before. Yeah, 14th century BC. Yeah, pen um, and paper, you important know, technology. that piece of technology Couples so well with our most cutting edge and newest technology. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. right so you have the, the the ones and zeros out there in the ether or in that box or somewhere, uh, working together with this piece of you know what used to be a tree, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's really neat. This mm-hmm. is a great example of of the real world and the digital world coming together right. to do something really <laughs> nice. Um, but I do think also that there's, uh, we pay a lot of attention in the election world to the idea that someone could get in and change results, mm-hmm. right? Um, the voter registration rolls, of course, have to be secured, and the results also have to be very secured. Um, that's been something that the Department of Homeland Security, uh, when they designated elections as critical infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, back in, I want to say it was December. 2016 or January 2017, um, the attention that we got from uh, local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies working in concert um, was a very, very, very different different thing. We're, we're in a very different world right now when it comes to the idea of what it means to have a secure election. Mm-hmm. 2016 was the ultimate wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, it should have happened probably in, 20, in the year 2000. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But um, here we are. And so, uh, you know, interestingly, we're working so closely with these folks mm-hmm. that we actually have uh, a member of that team. I'll just say that team because it's mm-hmm. such a huge alphabet soup embedded inside of our operation as observers so that if they're watching our communication with the public, Mm -hmm. firsthand, Mm -hmm. right? So we're having information come to us. Let's go back to election day. Right. On Twitter, on Facebook, via Instagram, all Mm -hmm. these sorts of things. We've got a whole team of people monitoring all of this stuff Mm -hmm. and the TV and the radio because Mm -hmm. we need to know what problems arise immediately. And sometimes folks will send a tweet out before they talk to the inspector or the judge at the polling place first. So we need to know these things immediately and the security guys, you know, our are, are, are friends with the alphabet soup, they need to know immediately as well. Right. And, yeah. and I'll tell you the, the funny story. Uh, after the uh, August primary, where we had 62 of our polling locations. Uh, August 2018? O- August 2018. Yeah, I have things to say. About uh, that. Where 62 <laughs> of our polling places didn't open on time for uh, a, a particularly uh, interesting reason. Um, that was really, really rough after about two weeks after that I ended up in a meeting with folks from DHS FBI Arizona Mm -hmm. Department of Public Safety all these security folks and one of the guys was sitting across the table from me Mm -hmm. and he said you know communication is of critical importance they weren't embedded in our system at that point he said because it would be really nice to know that we've got a massive logistics issue and not a terrorist attack when 60 of our locations right. don't open up. Oh. And he looked me right in the eye when he said that. And okay. I was like, yeah, no kidding, I'll bet that's true. Um, <laughs> and it never occurred to me, because that's not my job. Right? Yeah. right that mm-hmm. that was what they were thinking about. And so that gives me a lot of confidence because these guys operate in, there's three goals that they look at. Number one, crime. Mm -hmm. Is there some kind of election type crime? Number two, terrorism, Mm -hmm. right? And number three, voter suppression. Mm -hmm. Those are the three things that they're fighting against. Uh, And they're very clear in their mission uh, in these groups that are protecting our elections uh, through this integrated law enforcement uh, view. We keep them at arm's distance because we're not an enforcement agency, mm-hmm. uh, but we certainly want to work in concert with them to secure the process. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, I think, don't you also <coughs> want to keep them at arm's distance so that they can do their job better by re- retaining that sort of external eye, rather than being well, Part of the team that all of a sudden develops this very human tendency to ownership and, you know, being protective of the system that you developed and things like this? Well,
2: for me, I mean, look, I, I, I'm, I'm an attorney by trade, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't want them involved directly in what we do because it's a civilian exercise. Okay. I, I don't want a guy with a badge and a gun running elections. Sure. That could prove bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want this to remain as purely civilian-run as far away from law enforcement as possible because we don't want to be intimidating folks. We don't want our voters to feel like there's a problem. And the reality in the United States is some folks don't like law enforcement and they don't have to, this is America. And so we wanna keep keep them there close enough to where we can chat with them, make sure they've got their eyes on us uh, and their eyes on the bad guys, quote unquote, if they Mm -hmm. exist. Uh, But we also want to make sure that they're far enough out of the way that we can do our job for voters uh, without them being engaged. So communication, then, is the key, right, and
1: making sure those channels stay open.
2: Yeah, it really is. And that, I think, is the key with just about any endeavor where you have so many moving parts and so many people interested. Yeah. Right, right. which is very different from other
1: critical infrastructure which I always think of as power systems uh, the power grid, water systems, right? These these critical right. national infrastructures. Mm-hmm. The public's not interacting with those systems on a, at least the, the generation well, of until the dam breaks. Until right, 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 yeah. wrong, right. They, yeah. well, whereas it's not that people are coming to a power station all the time and then you are so you have a, a much more difficult problem yeah. in some right. ways. And, and it's,
2: it's, you know, we had one incident as I recall in the fall in the November 2018 election where an individual arrived at one of our polling places uh with a firearm. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that he had it on you know I think it was still in its holster but just the fact that he was there was a real security problem. Yeah. Um and that was dealt with very quickly um by our local law enforcement folks but and we knew that it was happening right when it was happening and Mm -hmm. that was that that situation was diffused very very quickly. Um didn't get very much or anything because it mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. bam, it just happened and that was great, yeah. uh, a good result. But you're absolutely right. This is a very different space as a critical infrastructure uh, designation. It's not a nuclear power plant, mm-hmm. right? right? It's not a dam, it's uh, something that people actually walk to, want to walk to and have wonderful discussions over, you know, I don't know, wine and cheese and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you know beer and pretzels uh it doesn't matter we we want to do this and so that's a different attitude yeah for those folks
1: and as you mentioned the comp- their confidence in the process is part of the process itself right yeah. right building that trust and exactly. that trustworthiness
3: absolutely
0: yes. now a- another big piece of what i've seen your office do to help build that Uh, Voter confidence has to do with you mentioned that the vast majority of votes that are uh, cast in our elections here in Maricopa County are done not on Election Day, but are done Mm -hmm. early, Um, whether they are early mailed in or early turned in on Election Day one of the concerns that I have heard over and over and over from people is well I don't like to mail my ballot or I you know I don't like to even turn in my ballot or I don't want to be on that permanent early voter list because I don't trust that my vote's gonna get counted. I wanna go to election day in person. Now, one of the things that I saw your office do, again, goes to communication where you can sign up and get a series of really very pleasant texts or emails from you, Adrienne, um, that says, your ballot has been received, your ballot has been counted. Now. Speaking as somebody who had their name on one of those ballots at one time, that was very reassuring for me. I put my ballot in my mailbox with quite a lot of trepidation, despite my undying uh, faith in the U.S. Postal Service. Um, but how have you know? How have you experienced that? That's another, as I see it, use of technology to help. Improve that voting experience by improving voter confidence And
1: maybe, sorry, if I can add yeah. just a little bit If you could talk a little bit at a high level about mail-in ballots Because some people may not I was not really even familiar with that until I moved to Arizona Yeah, it's mm. a, it's, yeah. a,
2: it's, it's, a uh, it's a, creature of the American West uh, Yes Essentially, the way it works is um, Well, I'll, I'll walk you through the history real quick to explain it The way it used to work is you vote absentee, right? Mm-hmm. And in Arizona... Every voter got a little postcard that said, would you like to vote absentee? We'll send you your ballot.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And they would sign off on that and say, yes, yeah, send me my ballot. And then we would send, it, we'd get the postcard back, process it, send the ballot out in an envelope. The voter would vote the ballot at home. Um, they would sign the affidavit on the envelope, and we would use that as the, the signature verification, which is mm-hmm. more secure than photo ID. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would get mailed back to us. We would verify against the signature from the voter registration card or rolls, and then we would open the envelope and count the ballot. Well, that got so popular by the time we hit the mid-aughts, I think Mm -hmm. is what we call them, 2006, 2007, Uh we created the permanent early vote list in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are not an all-vote-at-home state like Oregon or Washington or Colorado now. Uh, They mail ballots to everyone. We still have this list and if you're on the list you can sign up for it when you register. We will just automatically send you a ballot every time you have an election that you're eligible for. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very successful as I indicated earlier about 72 percent of our voters who are registered are signed up for it but it results in over 80 percent of our turnout. So we know that if you want to increase voter turnout Mm -hmm. you're going to mail folks their ballot. Mm -hmm. They're either going to mail it in like you did Mm -hmm. or they're going to bring it to a, a voting location and get their sticker because it's all about the sticker for folks people that are voting love the in person. Sticker. It's yeah. g- it's the sticker is is a big deal here. Uh, the little I voted sticker for folks who aren't familiar with you wear it around with pride, uh, and some places will give you a free cup of coffee, okay. as I understand. Uh, so that's kind of the, the 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 mechanics of how this system works. Uh, it's a great system. It's a very secure system, and the fact that more and more and more people get on it, mm-hmm. even a- as a percentage of our voting population. Even as our voting population increases, what that tells us is we're getting the people who are moving here and the people who are coming of voting age here, as they discover it, they prefer it. Yeah. Me. By yeah. leaps and bounds. Yeah, mm-hmm. Right? So 100%. You, did, you didn't yep. have it where you were from uh, California, right. Okay. So it, in some, some of the jurisdictions in California are now moving towards this model. And it just makes more sense. It just makes all the sense in the world, particularly when you've got ballots that are like the ones that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in, in Arizona, we have uh, tons of races that are consolidated mm-hmm. onto these these individual oh, yes. ballots. So, yes. you know, in 2020, you're going to have a presidential race. You're going to have a U.S. Senate race. You're going to have your U.S. congressional district race. Yes. You're going to have a... Uh, the statewides aren't during that cycle. A uh, corporation you're gonna have, commission. You're going to have three seats. corporation commission, three seats. So there's a big, big set of selections. You're going to have... State Senate, two state house of representatives, you're gonna have a whole bunch of probably local officials, then you flip the ballot over, and you're gonna have thirty or forty judges that you'll vote to retain, which either is yes or no.
0: It's own set of crazy. Which is yeah. I'm just
1: I'm getting overwhelmed as a voter. Just yeah. Right. Yes. And, this. and, then,
3: considering and this then
0: And you've it, even done this before. And I have, yeah, that. I <laughs> had the same
2: experience. <laughs> and like, oh, and then there's there's we've <laughs> a lot of <laughs> direct democracy here where you're gonna have initiatives, yep. you're gonna yes. have referenda Uh, folks voting on whether or not to raise taxes or Mm -hmm. or legalize cannabis or do whatever it is that people do. So the idea that you're gonna go somewhere, Mm -hmm. potentially stand in line, hopefully we've solved that problem, Mm -hmm. uh, check out one of these ballots, and then have the social pressure of having to sit there and complete (laughs) the entire ballot, which is a big deal when you Mm -hmm. talk to voters. Mm -hmm. Some of them will rush through their ballot very quickly and not complete it because they don't want to be standing in that booth so long, taking up space. Folks that go vote are very polite. Mm -hmm. These are good citizens. They pay their mortgage on time. They pay Mm -hmm. their taxes. They're just good, you know, middle America type of folks, and they don't want to be taking up space. So what will they do? They might rush. Mm -hmm. They might not have time to make their decisions. And they're doing it on a Tuesday in the middle of the week. Right. Right. Versus oh look, here's my ballot in the mail. I'd like to read up some more on this race. Mm -hmm. I'd like to go check some of these people out on the internet. I'd like to go find out what my friends Mm -hmm. and my neighbors are are thinking about these particular issues. How will it impact the guy down the street when we're talking about you know, pensions for public workers and he's a fireman? These kinds of things are what people want to do, and it makes for better informed voters. Sure. You give folks the time, they're going to check it out. Uh, And I think that it's you know, I'll go out on a little bit of a limb here. I think it's insulting when people want to rush folks through and, and automatically categorize American voters as they don't care. They're not going to pay attention to the issues. Mm-hmm. There's just They're just voting willy-nilly. I don't think that's fair at all. That's not my experience. Uh, I think people want to pay attention. They don't want to be rushed. Uh, and they want to make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Because those are the folks that are voting. I mean, look at the number of the actual portion of the actual population that's voting, yeah. it's not that many of us no. overall, right? So maybe there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't care and don't want to mm-hmm. vote, and okay, that's their choice. I mean, this isn't Australia, right? right? Yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to join Australia? I don't no, think so. No, they have big ugly spiders down there. I'm not a, I'm not <laughs> and a And like of that. the crocodiles are there.
0: showing up in odd yes, places. This true. was an yeah, announcement, yeah, right? Like but, but, just be aware there's going to be snakes where you don't expect them. So, like have a nice day.
2: Yeah, so yeah. My, my voting cuz Australia has mandatory voting. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think that we should force people to But they have pay sausage sizzles
0: on election day.
2: They have sausage. Well, you know, you could have that without. Look, if you were uh, <laughs> yeah. look, if you were doing like what we did once, uh, this the Sunday, not the Sunday immediately prior to Election Day, but the uh-huh. Sunday prior to that. Yeah. Uh, a group of pastors approached us, and, and this, this, they they said, "We want to do a souls to the polls. We want to get our people together right. and have them come and vote, and we want you to come and 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 we want to do it at a vote center." Blah blah blah. And I'm like, well. I can't do anything other than promote people coming out and voting so if you guys have issues that you're gonna promote or anything like that I don't want they're like no we just want to bring people to one place Mm -hmm. and have a thing and I'm like well the Phoenix Public Library is set up for early voting they can print a ballot for anyone in the county because we have ballot-on-demand printers there Um, why don't you guys just do that and Mm -hmm. they managed to pull it off And on a Sunday, Uh uh, they brought a couple hundred people together. It wasn't huge, Mm -hmm. and they were celebrating, right? It was, I don't think it was sausage. I think it was hamburgers (laughs) or barbecue or something. But at the end of the day, what you have is a celebration of democracy. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is supposed to be about. So, you know, we, we talk about security a lot. We talk about accountability a lot. But of the three most important things, uh, those two are great, but they both support the number one priority, and that is the voter's experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the voter's experience speaks to the idea of confidence. It speaks to the idea of making sure that we are doing what we need to be doing because it's the right thing to do sure. uh, for our fellow citizens.
0: That's great. And yeah. as ter- at the end of the day, the voter experience is what drives the American experience. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Well, thanks, Adrian for oh, coming in. This and was great. For what you do. Yeah, and thank you Adam for, you know, always you can show up and be like, "Yes, as a hacker." which <laughs> right. is, <Twitch> is really <laughs> reassuring I I mean, I and I on I behalf that, of all hackers. So. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I hope the, the that whole we can bunch. help white, move that black needle. hats whatever
1: all colors of. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. All colored-hatted hackers. And thank you Andrew as always.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: <laughs> Thanks. For more where that came from, check out the School for the Future of Innovation and Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation and Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at ASU. Mark Van Heer created our music. Our website is futureoutloud.org. Subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you get your fine podcasts.